Before we start today's podcast, the Truth About Aging wish to acknowledge that this episode has been recorded on the traditional lands of the Ghana people. We pay our deepest respects to Elders past, present and emerging. We acknowledge the Ghana people as the custodians of the Adelaide region and that their cultural and heritage beliefs are still as important to the living Ghana people today. everyone and welcome to the Truth About Aging podcast. I'm your host, Kate Helmore. Each week we'll be unpacking your questions about the aged care sector, discussing how to age well, grow old and make informed decisions. Let's get started. Hello friends and welcome back to the Truth About Aging podcast. It is episode 36 And today we're going to be talking a bit about hospital discharge planning and advocacy for loved ones whilst they're in hospital. So decided to split today's episode into two sections. So this is a bit of a two-part series. Today I'm going to be talking about care options and discharge pathways. So some of the different options if you or your loved one is coming out of hospital. And in next week's episode, I'm going to talk a little bit more specifically about what to do when you're communicating with the hospital and how to advocate for your loved one within that setting. So I did want to say just at the top, I have the utmost respect for our hospital workers. I think probably now more than ever, they are incredibly under the pump and the hospital beds are pretty much at capacity around the country, which is a pretty terrifying thing. They have their own KPIs, their own procedures to be able to make sure that they are clearing people out of beds as soon as possible to make sure that there are beds available for people that need it. And I really wanted to just be very clear at the top that I do not envy anyone in that position having to make those decisions. And it is incredibly complex for them to work through who's ready to be discharged, who needs additional care, and what to do with people when you have significant ramping in hospitals and beds needed for new patients. So I think it's important to understand that context to start with. However, I also really want to be clear that for our aging Australians, it's really important that we advocate for their needs because over my many years in this field, I've seen some really poor discharge planning where people have been forced out of hospital too fast, without appropriate supports, without clear understanding of what's required next, without proper rehab, without many different things that are required to keep them safe in the community and for them to prevent bouncing straight back into hospital again. So this really comes from a place of understanding of the strain of the hospital system whilst feeling deeply passionate about the need for us to advocate for our elderly as well because not every nurse in a hospital has worked in aged care or understands the aged care system. So it really does often come back to us as friends, family or providers to be able to advocate for our loved ones when they're in hospital. So I just wanted to cover that quickly at the top. So today we're talking care options and discharge pathways. 
I've tried to break it down into nine of the key different pathways that are used, which I acknowledge is still a lot. There are so many different programs out there, and I should say these will vary greatly between different states and territories. I guess these are broadly the ones that are used within South Australia. However, they might have slightly different names interstate or take a slightly different form, but it still gives you a bit of an understanding about some of the options that are available and hopefully still gives you enough knowledge to feel confident having those discussions with a hospital as well. Okay, so for the nine options, I've tried to start at the lower care end of the spectrum. They build up a little until they get to the more complex or more comprehensive care. And I should say right at the start, all of these options will vary greatly depending on what you went to hospital for in the first place. If you fell and fractured your hip, it's going to look very different to what it is if you potentially had pneumonia and needed treatment with antibiotics for a week and then you're otherwise feeling pretty good and back to your baseline. So all of these will vary greatly and I'll try throughout them to spell out what kind of situations it would be suitable for. But worth keeping in mind, not all of these are suitable for everyone. It's very much going to be determined on what you went into hospital for in the first place. Number one is discharge home. Now discharging straight home is often In my experience, most of my clients or loved ones, first preference, they just want to get back home again. And this typically would be used for people that have had a health episode that they've otherwise recovered from and are pretty much back to their baseline. So this might be something like a chest infection or a UTI or any other kind of infection that you might have been in hospital for. There's a million other different circumstances as well, but they're probably some of the common ones. So you would pretty much want to be back to your regular baseline health and feeling pretty safe and confident to return home. The hospitals will sometimes liaise with the family or a service provider if you have a home care package to organize a little bit of additional support, often in the week or two after returning home. This might be for, say, some welfare checks just to make sure that you're coping okay, maybe some short-term assistance with medications or showering if you're just feeling a little bit frail or still not quite 100%. But really, you'd be expecting the individual to be pretty much back to where they were with just a little bit of extra support required. The second option is hospital at home. And these programs have a million different names that they go under. And I should use this opportunity to say, if you're ever dealing with a hospital or a service provider and they're using acronyms that you don't understand, please just stop and ask them to explain what the program is. Even as someone that works in the field, there's sometimes acronyms that come up for new programs that have been created and I don't know what they are or what is included as part of that program please feel very comfortable to ask them what it is, what it entails, and how long it runs for, because all of these programs will have slightly different funding and will often vary depending on what local council they're in, what local health network they're in, the different government funding at that point in time. There's a number of different variables, but please ask if you're not sure. But hospital at home, short-term additional care at home, 
normally around the two-week mark, but often this might be for someone who needs a bit more support and doesn't have family, friends, or a home care package that can provide that. So it might be that you need showering for a couple of weeks. It might be you have some new medications that you're adjusting to that are a bit more complex that you need a nurse to assist with. It might be that you need some extra physiotherapy to help you recover or get some confidence back. There's a number of different things they can offer under hospital at home programs. So worth speaking more with the hospital about that, but that can be an option available as well. Number three is rehab. So there are a number of different inpatient rehabilitation services available. And these are typically for people that are unable to receive home-based rehab through things like hospital at home. And normally they're more complex conditions like it might be a fracture or hip and knee replacements, spinal surgery, neurological conditions. Often people that have had strokes will go to rehab for some time. Could be spinal cord injury, might be trauma from the result of a motor vehicle accident, burns. There's many different things that can fit under a rehabilitation model. But often it is people requiring that bit of extra physical rehab before they are able to return home again. So those programs are delivered by a whole multidisciplinary team. So you have medical nursing staff, you've got allied health. So they have everything from physios, occupational therapists, dietitians, speech paths, social workers, the whole suite of allied health and nursing teams. And they also, you often have access to hydrotherapy, prosthetics, orthotics, robotics, there's all kinds of different things that can be covered under rehab programs. So these inpatient facilities you will often go to normally, I would say probably a minimum of four weeks because often there is that time required for you to really get the physical benefit out of it. And the aim of you going there is to rehab back to your baseline or certainly back to a point where you feel confident and comfortable returning home again. So they will often do in-home-based assessments as well to make sure that your home is set up properly and that you're able to do tasks there and go back to your normal. But they are a fantastic way of giving really comprehensive care to help people return to their baseline. Number four is a bit of a niche one and I won't talk too much about because it does vary a lot, but there are some privately paying or sometimes government-funded facilities that kind of sit between a hospital and a residential facility. They have different names. Sometimes it's something like a care hotel, but essentially the model is that they have 24-hour nursing staff available there. They provide your meals, and it's really just a bit of a step down from hospital. So often if the individual or the family aren't feeling quite confident about them returning home immediately – It can be a bit of an in-between step so that you still have that 24-hour nursing support available while you get your confidence back and while you get back to 100%. Sometimes people will stay maybe a week or so just to get that, feel that little bit more themselves, get that bit more confidence up and feel safe to return home again. So it's a little bit of an in-between one. These are not always the cheapest option. (laughs) However, it is something that's available. Number five is the geriatric evaluation and management units. 
Now, this is specifically the term used in South Australia, but I believe there are other units in other states and territories as well. But the Geriatric Evaluation and Management Unit, which is known as GEM, which is much easier to get your head around, (laughs) GEM is essentially for, again, people that need some kind of rehabilitation and they're really aimed at reducing the need to seek residential care. Most commonly, we'd see people who maybe have had falls, but I would say predominantly those that have cognitive decline and they require a bit of specialist care for a short period of time. So the GEM units are staffed by a full multidisciplinary team. So you have that full suite of allied health professionals, but they're admitted under the care of a specialist geriatrician. Now, we haven't touched too much on geriatricians in the podcast previously, so I'll very quickly explain a geriatrician, but I think that might be cause for another episode on this as well. So a geriatrician, I guess, is a specialized doctor that works with the elderly. So often it's for people that have complex health needs or multiple comorbidities that they're working through. Geriatricians might help manage, often it is for people with dementia or other cognitive problems, for mobility, frailty, incontinence, nutrition. Um, They can look at specific medicines or combinations of medicines that people are on to make sure that they're getting the best outcomes. But really a geriatrician is a, a specialist aged care doctor, I guess is the best way to look at it. So in the GEM unit, they're overseen by a geriatrician, which I guess is a key element in making sure that people are properly assessed before the next stage of care is determined. So a GEM unit can be really good for particularly clients with dementia while they're needing a bit further assessment to determine whether it's safe for them to return home again, if maybe they can return home with some additional supports, or maybe if it's time to start looking at other care options like respite or permanent residential care. Number six is the Transitional Care Program or TCP, it's often referred as. So TCP provides short-term care for up to 12 weeks to help older people get back on their feet after a hospital stay. So this can be provided for people either in home or within a residential facility, but essentially they are eligible for 12 weeks of multidisciplinary care. So it was really established because they know that people want to stay in their home for as long as they can and TCP is set up to avoid the need for longer-term care and to delay moving into an aged care home for as long as possible. So the program delivers all kinds of different care and supports that are tailored to the individual's needs. Commonly, it's low-intensity therapy, so your physiotherapy, podiatry, social work, occupational therapy. Typically, there's nursing support involved and also some personal care. So this is something that someone must be eligible for. They do need an ACAT assessment, so an assessment from the aged care assessment team to see if they are eligible because a TCP is only suitable for people that have the ability to recover to an extent. If your condition is irreversible and there's no amount of rehab that will assist you in that, Unfortunately, the TCP program isn't going to be suitable for you. So this is something, again, that can be discussed with the hospital and it's something that they're very aware of, but the transitional care program can be a great stepping stone for some additional support before returning home or for supports to be delivered in the community in your home for those first 12 weeks when you're there. 
Number seven, I'll mention just briefly because it is a term that you might hear, but I believe this is more specific to South Australia. It's called the Care Awaiting Placement Scheme or CAPS, C-A-P-S. Now, a CAPS bed is, I guess, an an in-between. It's for people that have been recognized that they probably are requiring additional support and potentially need to move permanently into a residential care facility. It might be that the hospital or the family have not found anywhere for them to permanently move yet, and they're stable enough that they no longer require that hospital bed. So a CAPS bed is or care awaiting placement is still under the umbrella of the hospital scheme. However, it's provided often in a residential care facility where the bed, you still receive care there. You're not a permanent resident of the facility. You're under the CAPS program until you're permanently placed somewhere. So I just wanted to quickly explain what that is in case that's something that you come across. Number eight is respite. Now, I've done a few episodes on respite previously, so feel free to go back through the back catalogue and have a look at those if you'd like to. I believe it's episode eight and episode 10. I think we covered those mostly. But respite might be where, again, someone's not quite ready to return home. They need a bit of short-term additional support, or it might be that you're still figuring out if maybe they do now need permanent care and it might not be suitable for them to return home. So respite can be a great way of trialing that, of being able to quite honestly say to your loved one, look, we don't feel confident with you returning home yet, and this can be a good trial period to see how you find it in a facility and work out what our next steps are. So respite can be a really good option, and it is often something that the hospitals will look towards too if returning home isn't suitable for the individual or there's no immediate kind of rehab program that would benefit their condition. And number nine as the last one is permanent residential care. So moving into an aged care facility is often a step for people that are requiring that higher level of care and there isn't any particular amount of rehab that is going to get them back to what their baseline was. Often we do see this happens for people that were you know, maybe in the community beforehand and just doing okay, but we're on that cusp already. And then it might be a health event that occurs that just pushes them over that line to the point where they do now need permanent care. It's unlikely that you're going to go from being 100% completely independent, doing everything fine on your own at home to suddenly you're in care. If you have the right advocacy and the right supports, the hospital aren't going to try put you into care but it's worth being aware of your options and knowing all of this information beforehand about what's required when so that you can advocate for yourselves and you can advocate for your families because as much as possible, we're trying to avoid people going into care and keep them at home for as long as you can. However, there will come a time and place where permanent residential care is also required. So that is number nine. Alrighty, I feel like we covered a lot in that. So I'll very quickly recap the nine different options. So number one, returning home. Number two, hospital at home care. Number three, rehab or inpatient rehabilitation. Number four, a care hotel or a kind of private paying option for a hospital step down. Number five, geriatric evaluation and management unit or GEM. Number six, Transitional Care Program or TCP. Number seven, a CAPS bed, care awaiting placement. 
number eight, respite, and number nine, residential care. So they are our nine different options or different pathways that might be required depending on what you need coming out of hospital. I'm conscious that this has already been a long episode, so we will wrap it up there. Next week, I'm going to be talking much more specifically about how to have those conversations with the hospital. Now that you've got all this great knowledge about what options are available, what's the best way to communicate with that with the hospital to get the best outcomes for you or your loved one? Thank you so much for tuning in. I can't wait to pick this up again next week. Enjoy the rest of your day, and I will speak to you next Wednesday. Bye. Bye.